mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? I've purposed in my heart if I just read the scripture to you that we would be fed because it isn't the teacher up here that teaches it's the Holy Spirit and what he does is the word as it goes in it bears witness with your spirit and you see that the word of God is what we need we need to encourage one another to be taught we need to encourage one another to be in the word because that's where the, the teaching comes from when we spend time with our father and with his son the Lord Jesus Father, I thank you for this time now and uh, your word, Lord. You, you said you would put the words in our mouth when we need them. And Lord, I, I have nothing. I'm an empty vessel without you. So I pray you pour your Holy Spirit out and uh, honor your word this morning. You're a good God. We worship you. We're looking towards you. Lord, the days we live in it, they have changed so much, but you're the same. Our hope is firm in you. We, we depend totally on that, Lord. You will not fail us. You said in the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. But, Father, you didn't tell us there wouldn't be suffering and hardships, but you told us you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. We can boldly say that the Lord is my helper. Pour your Holy Spirit out this morning and teach us. Holy Spirit of God, guide us into truth. We love you, and, Lord... We need you so much. Would you encourage us here with your word this morning? In the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. I'm going to read several verses and then come back and do a running commentary on it. I really don't have the gift of teaching. Uh, I have more of a gift of encouraging people to get into the word and spend time with the Lord themselves. There's some people, Greg is a good teacher, he can dig into the Word. and uh, it, I can read the Bible like crazy, but when it comes to digging into it, it vexes me because it just isn't my gift. But I get encouragement just by reading through it. I feel like I could jump 10 miles high sometimes when I'm reading and just spending time with the Lord. And God has given each of us different gifts, and they operate differently. So what I do is I'll give a running commentary on whatever I feel like the Lord is saying to me through the scripture at the time. And that's what we're going to do today. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away 
so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh, what, what blessing words. Now, beginning of this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We don't see our God. We don't see the wind either, do we? But we can see the, the blowing in the trees. You see the effects of the wind. And it's similar here with God in, in our lives. You see the effect of God, the living word, his written word in our heart coming out and changing you to be what you wouldn't normally be and to do what you normally wouldn't do. You see the effects of Christianity on a society. Uh, I, don't, I don't know of any other religion that builds hospitals and schools and that really, really want to do good. What's he tell us in, uh, in Titus? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to us all, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us to himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Really, we really want to do good. Before, I really didn't care about doing right. I just didn't want to get uh, busted for doing wrong or, or be in trouble all the time. I wanted to do wrong and wanted it to work out. But now I really want to do what's right. That's brand new. That's born again in me. That's not what I was before. And I know that I am not what I was. <clears throat> but I am what I am by the grace of God. One of the most amazing things about our Father is when He's adopted you, if you struggle, He doesn't throw you away. He redeems, He, he corrects, and He disciplines, and in disciplining, He disciples. He uses the correction that's according to what you're doing. He doesn't correct you in an opposite way. It's understandable, and it makes you know you're His child. When you read His Word, and His Word says, don't do this, and you do it, and you allow it to, you call it sin, oh, this is sin, and you confess of it, you know you're his child. But when you do something, and you see his word says not to, and you say, I'm just going to do it anyway, then you can know you're not his child, because you're not hearing his word. Love obeys. A, a child that doesn't love their parent, doesn't obey them, they run away. They do their own thing. But a child that adores their parent, it breaks their heart when they upset that parent. That's what love is. It's an obedient to the Father. Jesus always did what pleased the Father. And I want more of that because I don't always do what pleases the Father. The flesh finds its way. And if we feed it, it grows. That's why we're feeding on the Word today to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We haven't seen God, but our faith, I, I see him changing lives. I know, experienced, he's changed my life. And there's been times when I thought I could just give up. And I think, what am I going to give up to? There's nothing. I am definitely going to die. 
Jesus definitely took my death, and he rose again, and he told, told us, and the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. He was buried for me and rose for me, so that when I die, I might have some pain and very much suffering, but after that, that's done. That'll be the last suffering we ever see, be the worst we ever have it. But for the unbeliever, the best they have it on this earth, that's the best they're ever going to see. That's sad. That is sad. Verse 2 says, For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. As we walk out the word of God, our testimony gets strengthened in our heart. And then other people see the confidence that there's a change in you. That you're not the same person you used to be. And it encourages people, even the people who might hate you and treat you bad. They see a difference in you. We, we, we have a problem of interpreting bad behavior towards us. And we can understand, we think we know exactly what's going on, but we don't. These people might be very uncomfortable with us. And we need to have a prayer in our heart for them that they would be able to see Christ in us. Not to take things so personally. I don't know about you guys, but at times I can take it personally. I feel like I'm being rejected. Who am I? He was rejected. God Almighty came down, became a sin offering, was rejected by his own and by everyone. And he counted that as a precious thing so that we could be separated, so we could be brought in. That is so awesome. That is such an awesome thing. Now, faith in God... Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Philip said, show us the Father and it'll be enough. And Jesus said, Philip, have you been with me so long? And do you not know that when you see me, you've seen the Father? And in the beginning of that book, John, he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So since he's not visible with my eyes, his intentions for me are in the Word. And I want to know his word more. And I know his word well. But that doesn't help if I'm not fresh on it. It doesn't. We need to be fresh with the relationship with the word and obedience in it. Faith that reorients our eyes constantly back on him when we get shooken. Because this life will shake you. I don't know about you guys, but I never dreamed how, I, even though the Bible tells us these times are coming and this stuff is going to go on, he's... It's all falling into place. He's coming. Amen. It still shakes me. Encourage it in the absence of fear. It's what you do in the face of fear because you believe in a better, better resurrection. Because you believe that the people who are opposing you, they're going to end up in hell, need to hear the truth no matter what. And we, we need to live it out loud and in a, in a gentle, loving way, but live our lives out loud for Jesus Christ because he did it for us and died on that cross and then rose again. Without the resurrection, then the death itself wasn't fulfilled. It's not enough without him getting up. He defeated death. Every one of us are going to die, and he beat it. By faith, verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So by faith we see that the worlds were, we under, by faith we understand. See, 
People think that we have blind faith. But our faith isn't blind. It's the word clarifies what's going on. Most of the scientists in the past, if they weren't Bible-believing, very literate in the Bible, no one took them seriously. Did you guys know that? Most of the great thinkers in the past were Bible-believing men. They found their stuff in the Bible, how they knew things. Because no knowledge that man gets that's good comes from anywhere but from God. He's the one that revealed that. Uh, before you go from a cadaver to a woman having a baby, you wash your hands. Uh, in America, I think it was, a Jewish man told him, he said, you, you got like 40% of the babies dying. Uh, in our law, it says that we're to, uh, when you've been contaminated by a corpse, you wash your hands and your instruments. You don't go from a corpse to a lady. Yeah. And they did that, and it went to like 95% of the babies were surviving. They later threw him in the loony bin, and someone else took credit for it. Uh, how do we know that the world is round? Well, because the Bible says that God drew a sphere on the deep. You know, how, how do we know about the jet stream? Because in Ecclesiastes, it says it talks about the channels in the sky, and it talks about the channels in the sea. These men knew things because the Bible said things. Now today, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, they try to eject you from academia because they're trying to eject God. But by faith, we know one day he's going to take his children home. He's going to say, you have ejected me. There's a, I'm going to go to a scripture real quick and read something here in Psalm 64. Because since all this stuff has been going on, sometimes I can't read. I'm so vexed at how crazy things are today. But I, I can read in the Psalms when I'm just overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. And I'll get into the Psalms. And he's, I've read this one many times. Before this COVID thing and all the stuff going on in our world, I read it during COVID, and it jumped out, and, and the Lord said, this was written for a time as today. This was written for right now. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation, preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of inequity, who sharpen their tongue like a sword, and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. And suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of lying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? They devise inequities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme. Both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded so he will make them stumble over their own tongue. All who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. The part where it says they devise, or they have perfected a shrewd scheme is from the garden, from the beginning, the scheme has been to eject God as the authority over mankind. And right now we have a government raising up that has no love for God. They want to pretend they're omnipresent with the internet. They want to pretend they're able to take care of you and do everything for you, but they cannot. And God's going to shoot at them with an arrow. That's a definite. That's Jesus is the arrow that's coming. 
I just had to go there. I thought about just trying to teach that, but I thought it's very small. I just want to encourage people to be in the Word, to, to let Him love us. Why would anyone wrestle with letting God love us? I don't understand that. But I, but I do wrestle with it myself. I'll tell you how much He loves you, and then I, I wrestle with holding on to that love myself as the most precious thing that we have. He loves us, and He will perfect that what concerns us, and, and He will finish it till that day. So we know that the things that are made were made by God's word in the beginning. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Another text I thought about teaching says that God is light. And uh, you know, at the speed of light, time stops. And I used to think, these people are trying to fulfill prophecy. They are trying to make this stuff happen. And, and the Lord basically instructed me through my thoughts and with him that no, that I just wrote down I'm in the beginning and the end at the same time. That's how big I am. Time and space cannot contain me. And all, I'm, all I've done is wrote down what they did. And you happen to be living through it, but I'm at the end and the beginning at the same time. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm not little G. I'm big G. He is a big God, and He loves us. He loves us so very much. Yeah, I heard that uh, if twins, if one of them went out into space, uh, I can't remember how far they said, and the other one stayed on the earth, that one of them would age and the other one would not. And I'm like, how could that be? How did these scientists know things? In the old days, they were in the Word. That's where we need to be found. You could be extremely wise to have courage for these days to be gentle to the wicked what, what's the Bible tell us be, be gentle as, uh, wise as a serpent but gentle as a dove that second part I'm having a harder time with and I ain't very wise only by the grace of God do I have any wisdom but verse 4 by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Remember when they come to Jesus and they said uh, that they, they didn't believe in, in uh, life after death, and they give him the, the story of the, the lady who had all these husbands, and she killed them all. I <laughs> know she did, but I'm like, she ain't going to be in heaven. She killed six husbands. Or, but uh, he said... Uh, I am the God of the living, not the dead. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Every one of us are eternal right now. From the moment you was conceived in your mother's womb, you were an eternal being, destined for one or two places, heaven or hell. And he leaves it in our choosing. He's not forceful. He's very compassionate. He, the sound has went out to all the earth. The call is to all mankind. But he won't force you to be his child. When I got saved, I didn't love Jesus. I just knew I needed him. I didn't want to go to hell. I just did not want to go to hell. And I believed in it. I was like, I am getting scared. Had demons mess with me at night. They would press on me and take my breath away. And, and I didn't know one Christian. But, I, but for some reason, I would say, Jesus. And it would stop. And I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that's interesting. He makes the darkness tremble. I, 
I'm not real fond of a lot of the new music, but when I hear that lyric, I know what that means. He makes the darkness tremble. But um, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It tells us right here why his, his was accepted and his brother not, because he offered it by faith. He had enough. When Adam and Eve sinned, God showed them he sacrificed an animal for them, the first death, which was pointing that Jesus was coming. And those children knew that. They had been instructed in that. The one brother wouldn't humble himself to say, well, I don't have any sheep. My brother's the one that tends sheep. I could trade him some of my stuff and have a sacrifice, or I could just bring it my own way, do it my own way. And that's what he did instead of humbling himself, coming to his brother and saying, well, you know, I could work for you for a while. I could do some stuff. I need a sacrifice. And his brother would have lovingly did that for him. But instead, he wanted God to accept him on his own terms. Guess what? That's not what God does. He didn't send Jesus down here to die on the cross for us to say, I've got another sacrifice to offer. And it talks about that in chapter 10 of Hebrews. If we sin willfully after having received the knowledge of the truth, there is no other sacrifice for us. That doesn't mean if you struggle with sin. It means if you choose your will over God's from now on, there's, there's no hope for you. In... Uh, Ezekiel 18, he says, uh, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does wickedly, would his righteousness be counted for righteousness? No, I say not, because he has turned to wickedness. But if a wicked man turns from his wickedness and does what's right, will, it, will his wickedness be counted for wickedness? No, the, because he has done the right things. I'm paraphrasing. He, this will be counted righteousness to him. So if a righteous man turns from his righteousness, does wickedly, and dies therein, he will perish. And there's the key. There's hope for all of us. And, and it, the fear of God should compel us to obey. But the human is very stubborn, and we have to be broken. Unless God breaks us, then we'll still want our own way. Children's like you ever notice children are like that, that some of them are different than others, but they have to be, they have to see that what they're doing hurts them and other people before they can change. And sometimes you have to let them. You have to let them fall. And our God is very good at walking us through that stuff and not giving up on us, grabbing us up and saying, I love you, and by faith you move forward. You take my word and you put it to use. When you get his word and you hide it in your heart and you're going about your day, another spot I started teaching again at the jail recently, and another spot that I've been teaching, that's Psalm 139, and it says, How precious are your thoughts towards me. If I should count them, they'd be more in number than the sand of the sea. And when I awake, I am still with thee. And I think about that. And many days I go and I don't hear a lot from God because I get overwhelmed. And I'm not, I'm not really trying to ask him what to do in the moment. But when I do, his word's all over it. I said, Lord, what do I do? Uh, different things from the word will come in and show you for that moment. For anxiety, he'll tell you, don't be anxious for nothing. But all things, he starts bringing those scriptures. For fear, don't uh, fear not, I am with you. you know, for everything in life, to, to, if you're tempted, 
There's no temptation that's overtaking you except for what's common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with each temptation will allow the way of escape so you're able to bear up under it. What is the way of escape? But Jesus, to choose the better, to choose his word and obedience. When we're obedient, our confidence goes up. When we're not, we're like, God, why would you use me? I don't know what, how, and I'm, I'm like that because I can be up and down and all over the place. But he still loves us. <coughs> Another thought that I had was in 2 Corinthians 5. You know, God deals with us for our whole life. He's not looking at one day of our life, except for that he, he is looking for us to receive his son. But he doesn't judge us for one day or this and that. He judges on the whole. I think of Lot, and I would, I would have said, well, that's pervert Lot. But the Lord in the New Testament says God knows how to deliver the righteous, and he calls him righteous Lot. So he knows more of the story than I do of how that man's life ended up. Here in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Man, I love that so much. And what's his Spirit do? It illuminates the Word for us. It helps us to fall in love with the truth. Because if we love the truth, I, I learn more by seeing other people sinning about myself than I do when I sin and blow it. Because I'll try to justify my own wrongs if I ain't careful. But the, I'll see someone else doing something. I'm like, I know what they're doing. Look at that. And the Lord will go, Jamie, you do that. And it will break me deeply that I see in them my sin and I'm trying to judge them. And the Lord will gently say, I haven't judged you. I died for you. And it gives me compassion. I learn more. You think you would learn from your own mistakes better. But I learn more by watching other people struggle. And then I'll watch them struggle and I'll fall into the same thing they're struggling with if I judge them. And, and I don't mean to judge. Do you know that if you have the uh, gift of discerning of spirits, that one of the things that happens if you're in the flesh is you're critical? <laughs> All of a sudden, you I discern stuff, but I'm not doing it godly. I'm doing it ungodly. <laughs> Look at that heathen. You know, and, and instead of in a godly manner, we're going, Father, touch that man. Please guide him back. That's, that's the loving thing because that's God's heart for him. Never, never ceases to amaze me how God can use. And that helps us to have a heart for others. As we realize we, we ain't got it all together. We need Jesus so desperately. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He took Enoch, and that's a picture of the rapture to come. He is getting ready to take his church home. And judgment begins at the house of God. We get judged upstairs, people. He's going to take us upstairs. We're going to set before the Bema seat, and he's going to prepare us to come back down seven years later to judge the world. And it's okay. Some of us will get in smelling like smoke. All of us are getting in by grace. Not one person is getting in because they are good on their own. Not one single person. We are getting in because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He did everything the way it was supposed to be done by faith, love, the love that he had for the Father. He always did what pleased the Father. And because of that, the sacrifice that he made paid, took that enmity away, that that division away. He opened it. When he died, the bell of the temple was rent from top to bottom. From top to bottom, not bottom to top. And it says in chapter 10 about that veil. Let me see if I can find it. My eyes aren't very good. It says, By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. See, the holiness of God keeps us from going before him. It would burn us up in a second. So he has to make us holy, just as Jesus is holy. In the book of Hebrews, the next chapter talks about when God chastises you and changes you and takes you to the woodshed. Don't be discouraged. That just shows that you're his son. When you see in the word that you, well, I, oh, well, I, I think I do that. Let it correct you. Let it wash you. Let it wash over you and lovingly say, I love you and I want to do what's right. The Bible says, I love him because he first loved me. And he manifested that love that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. I love him more now. When I first got saved, I just knew I needed to save. That's it. But I love him because as I've struggled and I did the wrong things at times, he hasn't abandoned me. He's adopted me as his own child and is raising me. There's security in that. There is a security in that that he is not going to he is not going to refuse his children. The adopted child actually had a sure reward. Uh, did you know a joint heir? If you have four sons and they're heirs to you, they each get 25%, right? A joint heir, they all are 100% in. They share it. And we are joint heirs with God through Jesus Christ. His sacrifice was holy and acceptable, and he proved it by getting up from the grave. I love it. No one else has done that that I know of. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is where I'm going to stop today because I didn't really prepare much. But I just want to say something. I can't convince anyone to believe in God. I, I never want to try that. But when I got saved, 
what happened was God was already witnessing to me. He says it here in chapter 10, verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before this, the Holy Spirit witnesses to us. He had been with me my whole life telling me what's right and wrong. He uses our conscience, our, our, our conscience, but it's also him letting us know, no, that's going to hurt you. Well, he has to choose that way. Go this way. He's leading us. It's the alongside relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. So no one has to convince someone who's his children. His sheep hear his voice, and they follow him, and he gives them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone be able to snatch them out of his hand. He wants us to trust him enough to come to him and ask for the new life, the new walking orders, and then to learn as a child learns from their parents to walk in that. We've been acquainted with him by the law through Adam. And the law brings death. Every one of us is going to die. And when we come to that death, if we are without Jesus, then we have to pay the price, and it can never be paid. So eternally, we will be dying eternally, continuing to die, continuing to die. But if we come to that day of death, and we have received him and have humbly trusted him or allowed him to humble us to trust him, we will pass from life into death because we have already passed in it now by faith. And that gives us the confidence to face the things that come in life. Even if all this stuff hadn't happened, right, we still would all have to die. And that's hard. That's hard. Young and old alike. But he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. And he's also given us his spirit as a guarantee. And that's, I, I could not convince one person to come to Christ, but he has said, no one comes to the Father except through the Son. And no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws them. He drew me. My evangelists were demons. Through the things that I had done as a young man, lived wickedly, he allowed fear that was terrible fear and demonic things to come upon me, and he used them. Did you guys know that the devil is God's devil? He has to come and ask permission. And people will go, well, the wicked thing's going on. That's not right. Well, guess what? The Lord took the brunt of everything that's ever happened on the earth at the cross. So when people judge God for wrong, for allowing pain, he's not wrong. He loves us so much. He wants us to become so much like him. We won't be God. We'll be his children. Be able to sit down with him in the kingdom and enjoy him without any ill thoughts or any well, the Bible says in 1 John 3 2 and 3 be loved now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know when we see him we shall be like him and everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure and the Psalms tell us how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word O God I have hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Taking heed means I'm not just hearing it. I'm asking you to, as it says in uh, Philippians, walk out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do. So he's given us the willpower to do the right things. And anytime we don't, it's sin. And if we will admit to that, we can be born again and be heading home knowing 
that every hardship you face will become useful in the master's hand. If there's anyone that hasn't received him, if you would talk with us afterwards and you would, you would want to receive Jesus, we will pray with you and show you the, the way to know him. It's, it's really simple. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto eternal life. Thank you, Father, that you, that you honor your word. You're a good God. The, the things that are coming towards us give us courage to face them. Like the guys in Hebrews 11 at the end of the chapter who, because they knew they had a better resurrection, were willing to suffer because they knew their God. Help us to know you more. Pour your Holy Spirit out on us. Purify us. Lord, you are so good to us. We don't deserve it. I don't know why you're so good to us, but thank you that you are. Pray for my brother Greg. I pray that you would lift him up from this sickness, and I pray that Lana wouldn't get it. Which thank you so much for him. In the name of Jesus Christ, protect the grandkids and Lindsay. We love you, Lord. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?